Alright All right, guys, first of all I didn't think we'd be twins, didn't see that too <laughs> But that's okay, um, Michael told me I got to introduce my dad um, and you guys got to see him introduce me. Um, and one of the things that I thought about is when Paul says, imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. Um, this is a man that you can imitate because he's imitating Christ. Um, and he'll tell you, it's not him, it's Christ working through him. Um, he's a vessel. Um, I'm lucky to have a man like him in my life that I can go to. Um, with whatever I'm going through, um, and I'm lucky enough for him to be my father, um, and I pray all of you guys have a man like that in your lives, uh, mm, I love this man a lot, um, and I can assure you that if you listen to what he has to say, it's going to impact your life, and it's going to change your life, um, not, not because it's coming through him. Um, but because it's coming through Christ and through His Spirit. Um, so, let's pray. God, I come to You honestly just thankful. Thankful for my Father. Um, thankful for that my earthly Father reflects You. Uh, someone who I can look up to. And God, I pray that if anybody here doesn't have an earthly Father that they can look up to, God, that they come talk to my Dad. Um... Because He'll show him you, uh, Lord, by the way He lives, by the way He acts, by the way He talks. Um, God, I, th I thank You for Him, and I pray that you, you bless Him, and You encourage Him, and You give Him strength during this. That, that it's not Him talking, but it's You talking. And it's not Him glorified, it's You glorified, God. Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that these people get to hear my dad talk. I've got to hear him talk for about 19 years now, and it, uh, it doesn't really get old. Uh, but Lord, I thank you for him, and I thank you for the words he's about to speak, and I pray you bless him, and uh, Lord, just help help these ears here, God, help these ears here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. That's interesting, because I think when he was 16, 17 years old, he was tired of hearing me. <laughs> so I think they come back around eventually, and that's my that's always been my prayer. But listen, one of the things that... that uh, has always been important to me is relationships. I love people. I love people. But one of the things that I've learned as I've gotten older in life is that through relationship comes influence. And, and with that, I want you all to really listen to what I have to say tonight. Not because it's profound. Not because it's something uh, extraordinary that you've never heard before. Because it's a simple message uh, that's found in Scripture that has the ability to change your world. And I hope that you listen to me because you know that I love you. And not because I'm telling you right now that I love you. I hope that through the years of relationships that I've built uh, with a lot of you that are sitting here, uh, that you know that I love you because I've shown you that I love you. This, this evening we're going to talk about something that, that I, I feel like uh, is the next step, if you will, in the process of understanding, not only understanding who Jesus is, but, but coming into a relationship that's meaningful that will last for eternity. 
So I've thought a lot, uh, yeah. you know, I've spent time, Michael gives us scriptures that we, and, and kind of a general title when he asks us to speak. And, and so what I generally do with that is I read the text, I spend some time thinking on it. Sometimes that takes me to different places in scripture, uh, but I spend a lot of time praying about it. I spend a lot of time meditating on that. I don't spend a lot of time writing notes. Uh, just try to understand what I'm going to say and then allow the, the session, however it may go, to influence how I present it. And so I've thought a lot over the last week, and there's been a lot of baptisms this session, and that's amazing. And it's been a blessing to be a part of that uh, personally, uh, as well as witness it. Back that off a little bit. But it's begged the question, if you will, and I've, this has just been the question that has reverberated in my mind uh, for the last several days is, so what now? So what now? Where do I go from here? See, I, I was baptized down there when I was 13 years old. In the same creek. Matter of fact, not to date him, Charlie Parrish is the one that baptized me. So he's older than I am. I look older, but he's older. But I can remember going home after that experience in my life that was eventful and it's something I'll always cherish and I'll always remember. I can remember going home from that point in time of my life and saying, so now what? Now what do I do? Because now I realize that the world is pressing in on me even harder. And I realize that sin is, is still potentially prevalent in my life. What do I do? And, and, and I'll never forget the first time I really failed after that. And it broke me. It crushed my spirit. Because I thought, maybe it wasn't real. Maybe the decision that I made to follow Christ just wasn't as real as it should have been. Maybe it wasn't as intentional as it should have been. And, and, and so as I thought about this lesson, I, I've thought about you. I've thought about, I don't want you to go home the same way that I went home. I want you to go home differently. The title of this lesson is Born to be Free. I'm going to retitle it. You've been reborn to be free. And in order to completely understand that concept, again, my mind works a little funky, and you'll figure that out here in a few minutes. But in order to fully understand and comprehend that, I try to go back all the way to the beginning, to the beginning of time when God created Adam. And he created Adam in his own image to be a reflection of who he was. God created him. And there was intimacy in the garden. And, and so Adam was born to be free. He was born to have a relationship with God that was special. That was intentional. And, and I can only dream sometimes of what that must have been like to be Adam in the garden with God. To enjoy the provisions that God provided for him. Leaving out nothing. God took care of him completely. They enjoyed relationship with one another. And then we all know that, that sin entered the world. And, and with it became an awareness and an uncertainty. And, it, and, and Scripture tells us in the first... First chapter of Genesis, the scripture tells us that, that they hid from God. And for the first time, they recognized their nakedness. 
Now, the reason I start there is because what I want y'all to understand is that God's plan from the very beginning was relationship with you. That's how he set it up. That's how he created it. That's how he made it. He desired relationship with us. And through sin, relationship was broken. And, and what I want you to understand is that from that moment in time that relationship was broken, everything that God has done was extremely intentional to bring us back to a place of relationship with Him. To bring us back to a place where we can enjoy uh, an access to God that we now have. His desire, through all of the things that we read in the Old Testament, His desire was to restore what was broken in the garden. Because He wants with you what He originally had with Adam. Adam was born to be free. You have been reborn to be free. And if there's something that you need to grab a hold of now that you are in Christ Jesus, that you have been clothed in Him, is that you have been reborn to be free. In John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36, I'd like to read that quickly. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had, had believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know truth, and the truth will set you free. They answer him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? I find it fascinating so many times in Scripture when Jesus is teaching, when he's, when he's teaching the crowds, that he gives them a very eternal concept and they, and they look at it from such a physical perspective. He says, hey, the truth's going to set you free and they don't understand the necessity of freedom. They don't understand what they need to be free from. And it's interesting to me that they go to an example that is so inaccurate. Because for some reason they fail to remember Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and Persia and Macedonia and Syria and Rome. Because that's who enslaved them. But we have become a people who embrace Jesus as our Savior, but then forget that He has made you free. He has made you free from the things that hold you back from relationship with Him. We hide so often in our lives, don't we? We hide so much in our heart that no one knows about us. And we carry that baggage around and it affects and influences every aspect of who we are. It affects us to the point where we don't really appreciate the relationship that Jesus has with us. That Jesus desires to have with us. That God desires to have with us through Him. Through Jesus. I'd like to read a story that I actually just found. but it, it, Man, it spoke to me, so I'm going to read it real quick for you. But I, I'd really like you to listen to it. It's got some merit in it. In the last days of the Civil War, the Confederate capital, Richmond, Virginia, fell, on, fell to the Union Army. Abraham Lincoln insisted on visiting the city even though he knew he was coming. Even though no one knew he was coming, slaves recognized him immediately and thronged around, around him. He had liberated them by the Emancipation Proclamation, and now Lincoln's army had set them free. According to Admiral David Porter, an eyewitness, Lincoln, Lincoln spoke to the crowd around him. 
He said, my poor friends, you are free. Free as air. You can cast off the name of slave and trample upon it. Liberty is your birthright. However, Lincoln also warned them not to abuse their freedom. Let the world see that you merit your freedom. Lincoln said, don't let your joy carry you into excess. Learn the laws and obey them. We have such a, a, an interesting take at times in, in Scripture when it talks about freedom and freedom of sin. It is, is one hand, we, we don't really know how to embrace that. What does that look like? What does it look like to be free? And on the other hand, what does it look like to be in excess of our freedom? It, it's interesting to me that in the country that we live, the freedom that have been fought for are trampled on so easily now. And it's oftentimes because we forget or we're too far removed from the sacrifice that it took to establish the freedom that you have. And so what I want to challenge you first with this, this evening is what I really want you to understand is that the freedom you have in Christ Jesus is free, but it is not cheap. It's free, but it wasn't cheap. Matter of fact, Galatians chapter 3, I think it's around verse 14, talks about Jesus becoming the curse to overcome the curse by hanging on a tree. You've been grant, granted freedom, but that freedom was not cheap. It came at a cost. But since it came at a cost, and since it is available to you, there is a fundamental truth that we need to wrap our mind around. Romans chapter 8. My class has spent some time here in the last week. It's getting really dark. There is therefore now, we've all heard this, right? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, much like my class, I'm going to read that again in case you missed it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free, free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, I've made a big deal out of that word in, haven't I, class? Because we need to understand that the righteous requirements of the law have been fulfilled in you, not by you, in you. And that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You need to wrap your mind around that because when you go home, sin's going to be knocking at your doorstep. And you can't allow your life to be influences, influenced by the imperfections that, that stay in us. Because it's not about you being perfect. It's about knowing a perfect Savior. It's not about you always being right. It's about He's right. We are manipulated and controlled by the sin that wages against our heart. But I want you to know today that you have been set free from that. And you need to grab a hold of that freedom and start living like free people. Yeah. 
Because we don't. We live in the bondage of our sin. Because we do not appreciate the freedom that Jesus has granted each of us. I'm not going to say you're going to leave here and live a perfect life. I know you're not. The world's going to be tough. That's cool because Jesus overcame. Everything of value comes. Everything. Let me rephrase that. Everything of eternal value comes from abiding in Him. Everything of eternal value comes from abiding in Him. John chapter 15 says, Remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. What kind of fruit? Eternal fruit. Everything of value happens in Him. We need to understand in our lives that there are going to be messes and we're going to make wrong decisions. But you serve a perfect Savior. Hebrews 4, we spent some time in class on that. We serve a great high priest who's been tempted in every way yet without sin so that he can sympathize with your struggle and so that we might be able to approach the throne room of grace with confidence. Not confidence in who I am. Confidence in, in the Savior. Confidence that He was perfect. You, you know, when I read that text, I wrote something a month ago beside this text. I talked to Lana about that several weeks ago. Uh, I'm not going to use the light again. Because uh, I, I hear this a lot with young people. I hear this a lot with people. I just don't know that God can cover my sins. I don't know if God can forgive me of my imperfection. Because let's be honest, sometimes we get real messed up, don't we? I'm just not sure that God can forgive me. Here's what I want you to understand about Romans 8, 1. Is by saying that, you're saying the sacrifice of Jesus wasn't good enough. It's not about you being good enough. I need to know if you realize. I need to know. Shout it out. If it, it, just let me know that you hear that it's not about whether you're good enough. It's whether Jesus was good enough. You need to wrap your heart around that truth. One of the things I love about Scripture is that there's simple truths in there that if you'll just wrap your mind and your heart around, they'll carry you through. Amen. Jesus is enough. Do you believe that? Yeah. Do you believe that with all of who you are? Yes. If you do, there's freedom in that truth. Because the sins that are going to affect you, Jesus covered them. Jesus has redeemed you. Don't stop at the waters of baptism. That has placed you in a good place. That has allowed you relationship with Christ Jesus. That has granted you access to the Holy Spirit. Both phenomenal things, but the path doesn't stop there. Start living like, I love the way Abraham Lincoln said it. Start living and let the world see that you merit the freedom that you now possess. Let the world see Christ in you. See, because as I started this whole thing, where are we headed? We're headed back to, to what God intended. What did God intend? God intended relationship, didn't he? He intended not just any kind of relationship. He created you in his image. 
Because he wants all of you to go home and reflect who he is. But we can't do that if we're hiding. For the first time, Adam and Eve realized they were naked. Don't do this. This is just a... I won't even go... Yeah. Let's go for it. Do it. We need to run around like we're naked. Don't be literal with that, please. Because we will not have influence in the world if we're hiding in a corner because of the sins that have waged war against your soul. I need y'all to come face to face with a Savior that's big enough to cover you. I need y'all to come face to face with a Savior that's big enough to overcome the obstacles that have been placed in your path. Notice what Jesus' prayer for Peter was. He didn't pray that Peter didn't fall into temptation. He didn't pray that Peter didn't, uh, didn't deny him. He, pr- he prayed that Peter would return to him when that event in Peter's life was over. Y'all, don't let sin separate you from the promise that God has intended for you. He desires to you, for you to live as free people. My challenge for y'all is, so what's next? What's next is the freedom in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We just, man, I just want to thank you that you have allowed this place to exist for 60 years. That you have brought souls into this place to be touched and affected by you through your word. My prayer for each of them is that they grab hold for the truth that there is freedom in you, that there is no condemnation for one of yours. That you're big enough. Your sacrifice was good enough. And the debt was paid. So that we might have restored relationship with our Father in heaven. Lord, I ask that you be with us the rest of this week. And help these young souls to yearn for spiritual nourishment. Help them to desire to digest your word and to come more into an understanding of who you are. And that they have a love relationship with you that embraces the freedom that they have found in you. We ask all these things in your most precious and holy name. Amen. Amen.